scripture. I want y'all to pray for me. I'm not even praying. Y'all pray for me when I get done reading the scriptures. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 20. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 20. Amen. Brother Clark, good to see you. Amen. Can you say that to your wife? Because we see her from time to time. Whether she's popping or however... But it's good to see Brother Clark. I haven't seen him in a while. You look good, too. You look very good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 15. Amen. So poor in the house. Where's the poor? Is she here? All right. She's here. All right. Okay. Just making sure. Amen. Verse 20 says in First Samuel chapter 15. And Saul said unto Samuel, Saul is the king of Israel at this time. Samuel is the prophet or the judge, if you will. He's both. He's a prophet and a judge. And so he went to visit Saul because Saul was supposed to carry out some instructions by the voice of God, by the word of God. And so there there was a mess there. And so the prophet, the judge, has come to deal with the problem. So here we go. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and having gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took up the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice Unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. 22. And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. When it says iniquity in this particular text, it's talking about nothingness. Iniquity is nothingness and wickedness. When there's nothingness to God, it's wickedness because thou has rejected the word of the Lord. He had also rejected thee from being king. Pray for me. Hallelujah. 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 Lord Jesus, I praise you. I honor you. Consume me with the fire of your spirit, Lord God. God, I want to be used by you this morning as your oracle, as your conduit. Do whatsoever you please, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Allow me, Lord God, to minister to your people, to minister to them in love, to minister to them in concern and with compassion. Oh, God, to minister to them through the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I thank you. I love you and praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen as you're being seated. 
I've entitled the message of the Lord today, The Real Sacrifice. The Real Sacrifice. That's what we have entitled the word of the Lord this morning, The Real Sacrifice. Uh, God is pleased with sacrifice. Somebody say that. God is pleased with sacrifice. God wants us to sacrifice to him. Yes, say that. God wants us to sacrifice. And so it is right that we sacrifice unto the Lord. The word sacrifice, I'm going to give you two meanings for the word sacrifice. The first meaning for sacrifice usually probably is more physical than it is spiritual. But the first one is the act, but it's important because if you follow it, through the teaching today, probably not preaching, through the teaching today, you'll see what it means. So the first meaning for sacrifice is this, the act of giving up something you strongly want to keep. Sacrifice, the act of giving up something you strongly want to keep. Hold on to that. That's, that's saying something already. That's a message in itself. Because we always think about, I had to sacrifice. Yeah, what is sacrifice? It means that you're giving up something that you wanted to hold on to. You didn't want to let it go. You felt like it meant a lot to you. It had a lot of meaning. I don't want to give this up. But you end up giving it up because that's called a sacrifice. Got my last $100. And somebody is struggling with their rent. Somebody's struggling with a bill that they need to pay. And this is my last hundred. I can't give that up. That's my last hundred. But if you give it up, it's called sacrifice. Here's the other meaning. Sacrifice. In its simplest form may be defined as this. A gift to God. A gift to God. That's the other meaning of sacrifice. It's a Gift to God. God himself initiated this divine order of sacrifice from the very beginning of human history when he killed an animal and used its skin to clothe Adam and Eve as a sacrifice for their sin. So sacrifice didn't start with mankind. Sacrifice started with God Almighty. When Adam and Eve sinned, God himself slayed a lamb and was able to clothe Adam and Eve properly because nakedness means shame. But they were only naked. They only knew they were naked after they sinned. So sin caused us to be naked. The very next sacrifice in Scripture was the sacrifice of Abel and Cain. Cain offered unto the Lord, where Abel sacrificed, I'm, I'm sorry, Abel offered a sacrifice unto the Lord that was pleasing unto God, but Cain's sacrifice was not pleasing. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 says, By faith. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness 
that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts and by it, he being dead yet speaking. So as we can see, the beginning of sacrifice began with sacrificing live animals. Of course, they had to kill the animal then and then sacrifice unto the Lord. But think about it. Why was it so important that the sacrifice started with a live animal? Mm-hmm. That's what God started with. Well, the Bible says, The soul that sinneth shall surely die. When God used a live animal as sacrifice from the beginning, what he was saying is, when sin is committed, something has to die. And because I loved you all so much, and I know I said the soul that sinned shall surely die, but because you are my weakness and I love you so much, because you are the apple of my eye and the creation of my heart, because I love you so much when you sin, I couldn't let you die. So I had to kill something with life so you wouldn't have to die. So he killed an animal. So you didn't have to be killed. Well, Adam and Eve wouldn't have to be killed. But as we know, that gets down to us eventually. So as we see, God instituted this divine thing of sacrifice. Throughout the Old Testament, we see sacrifice. And you start learning about burnt offerings, and all the different kind of sacrifice, all different kind of offering, but won't deal with those because that's not what God instituted. God instituted the sacrifice of an animal. So throughout Old Testament, that's what they did. And so here comes the New Testament. What are we dealing with now? Now, for some of you that may not have been through a Bible study with me, ah. <laughs> uh, What's the difference between the old and the new for some of you that's been through the Bible study so long with me you forgot? What's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? The Old Testament is how God dealt with human beings before he manifested himself as the man Christ Jesus. The New Testament is how God dealt with humans after he manifests himself as the man Christ Jesus, died for humanity, was buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. So if you want to know the difference of old and new, how God has dealt with mankind in old was before Christ. How man is dealing with man how God is dealing with mankind in the New Testament is after Christ. That's the difference. So now we see as the scripture is trying to help us to understand with sacrifice, that when Jesus came, he came to be the ultimate sacrifice. You heard me said, some of you may have had me, heard me said over the years that if God continued to allow animals to be what we needed to sacrifice to cover our sins, we will, we will all be vegetarians. 
because for all the sins we've committed, we would have to give up animals for that. So we wouldn't have animals walking around. We wouldn't have any meat. We would just have vegetables. And many of us will be walking around with our sins and our, just on us because we can't get rid of them. But you're the apple of God's eye. And he's always making a way for you. He's always working a legal process for you. He doesn't circumvent anything. It's always a legal process that he establishes to save us, to deliver us. And so God says, I can't continue with this animal sacrifice business. I'm going to have to do a sacrifice once and for all that my children will be all right. And so Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice. So if you want to really get this right, people like to say the Jews killed Jesus. Some people want to say that the Gentiles killed Jesus. But just understand that we killed Jesus. Every one of us in here, everyone that's walking this earth, we all killed Jesus because he wouldn't have to die if we didn't sin. But because we sinned, he had to die to remove sin from us, to give us an opportunity to, to be free from sin. So you want to know why Jesus died? Don't look no place else. It's because of me why he died. Tell your neighbor, it's because of you why he died. It's because of me why he died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mark chapter 10 verse 5 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Listen, we're striving to be like Jesus, not like our neighbor, not like our pastor, not like uh, our bishop, but we're striving to be like Jesus. And if we're striving to be like Jesus, the Bible says he came not into this world to be ministered unto, not to receive. He didn't come into this world to receive, but he came into this world to give. When you begin to give and not worry about receiving, now you're starting to live the life that Christ has for you. Christ is about giving and not receiving because he knows his heavenly father will take care of all his needs. But what he has to do is give. When we become true men of God, true women of God, we're not just looking to receive, but we're looking to give because we're trying to be like Jesus. We're trying to give as Jesus has given because we want to be like Jesus. This is why in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35, it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And we spend most of our times uh, trying to figure out how to receive. Uh, we spend so much time. Uh, how can I get this? Uh, how can I obtain that? Uh, and the Bible says Jesus did not come uh, to receive. Uh, Jesus, Jesus did not come uh, for us to give, for, for us to give to Him, but He came so He can give to us. If we're going to be like Jesus, we got to ask Him to help us to become givers. And not just looking out for what we want. That includes coming to church and receiving the word of God. I'm challenging you this morning. So I said, pray for me because I'm probably going to say some things that make you uncomfortable. But I, I can't help it. That's what God has put into my heart to say to that. If we come to church, here's some of our struggles. If we come to church 
and all we can show for it is absorbing some of the words, some of the teachings and just go back home and keep it in our mind and just try to figure out how to live life for God according to the word that we've got or we received, then we're not being like Jesus. We got to figure out how to take what we get when we come to church. We got to figure out how we can obtain this thing, this word that we're getting preached into our soul. We got to take it and say, now, how can I use this to be like Jesus, to minister unto people and not just want to take this for myself, not just get fat on the word, not just know how to quote scriptures, not just saying, oh, I'm on my way to heaven. I need to take this thing that I've received and I need to give it. I need to figure out a way to transmit it. I need to figure out a way. I don't break the bread of life to somebody else because if I'm going to be like Jesus, I got to come to minister. I'm not here to receive, but I've come to give. That's what Jesus is like. That's what he's all about. And I'm striving to be like him. Mm. Help us, Jesus. Because this is a profound statement. Listen to this. Because Jesus Christ died for us, we must now live for him. You know how we used to say, I'm living for God and we didn't understand that? Here's the clear picture. If he is, if he had died for us and now he's absent from us, his presence is with us, but he's not physically here. We have the responsibility. We really must now be the example that he was when he walked this earth because he died for us so we can live we need to live for him now so every day we live our life every day we walk out of our homes every day in our homes we're supposed to live as Jesus would live if he was walking the earth Jesus died so we can live but not just live any way we want we have to live the way he would would have lived when he was on the earth. That's why he died, so we can live for him. So now you understand, when we used to think about living for God, I don't know what we thought, but living for God means if he didn't die, I wouldn't be here. So what was the exchange? I'm going to die but you got to represent me from now on. Would anybody take that exchange? Because cause if, if, if you don't take that exchange, it means you would just die in your sin and go to hell. But he says, I'm, I'm giving an exchange. I'm going to die in exchange that you will live how I would live. Either you want that or I'm not going to die. So you just go ahead and die and go to hell. That's the exchange that he gave us. It wouldn't make sense for him to die and nobody on this earth is going to live like him and act like him and talk like him. It wouldn't make sense for him to leave here if we weren't going to live for him to represent him and be the example that he wants us to be. It wouldn't make sense for him to die and leave here. Christians must present their bodies a living sacrifice. <laughs> In the Old Testament, we brought animals 
as sacrifice unto the Lord. Jesus says later for that, I'm going to be the ultimate sacrifice that you no longer have to bring animals to get sacrificed, to get your sins removed. No more will you have to do that. But guess what? Since I gave my life for your life, now you're going to have to be delivering sacrifice. He is saying, again, what's the exchange? The exchange is because I became the sacrifice and you didn't have to sacrifice animals anymore. Guess what? You now have to become the sacrifice. Your body and your life is supposed to be sacrificed unto me. The way you live, the way you eat, the way you take care of yourself, the way you talk, the way you interact. It needs to be a sacrifice unto me. Your body is not your own. I told you last week, the Bible says, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And this body that we have, it's not ours. The way we treat it, it better be treated like royalty. It better be treated with the utmost respect. It better be treated like a king or a queen or a priest. Whatever it is, because we're royalty. God died for everybody, but everybody's not following God. How can we ever compare ourselves with people that are not taking the exchange? I don't understand. Why are we struggling when we look and we see other people and we're wondering, Well, ain't nothing wrong with doing that. Ain't nothing wrong with doing that. They didn't take the exchange. So why should I even put my eye on them? Because they didn't take the exchange. At At the moment, right now, if I have taken the exchange and they haven't, I have a promise. They don't have it until they take the exchange, knowing that they now must become a living sacrifice. And if they're not a living sacrifice, they can't go where I'm going. It makes no sense. To start trying to figure out a way of being like people that don't have the ultimate promise I have. I cannot even look. I'm royalty. I don't mean to sound whatever way I sound, but I am and you are. The Bible calls us royal priesthood. You think a priest is worried about what a peasant look like? You think a priest is worried about what a non-priest look like? The priest is royalty. And I don't compare myself with nothing because I'm royalty. All the people that's not living according to God, why would I say and try to even be anything like them? I can't be anything like them. They're not given the promise I have. They didn't take the exchange. I did. Because I realized he gave his life for me. And because I realized he gave his life for me, I realized I have to live for him now. My body is a sacrifice unto him. Whatever I do with this body, whatever I put on this body, however I take care of this body, it is unto him because it's now a living sacrifice. This is why he says, I beseech you now, brethren, 
to, by the mercies of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God says, if you are taking the exchange, living for me in your body is a living sacrifice. What did we say sacrifice was? Giving up something. I want to do whatever I want to do with my body. Okay, I understand that. That's, that, that, that's not a debate. I want to treat this the way I want. Yeah, I know. But until you decide you're going to live a life of sacrifice to God, now what? Because the minute you take the exchange, this has to be a living sacrifice unto him. You can no longer do whatever you want with it. That's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. You can't do whatever you want with this anymore. Not when you took the exchange of, okay, you die so I can live for you, and I got to live like that. That's what, that's what happened. And so, God tells us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. It got to be holy. Dabbling with the behaviors of our world contaminate you. Dabbling with the behaviors of our world contaminate you. Which means if you're contaminated, God cannot receive your body, the sacrifice that it is. He can't receive it as a sacrifice because he says you, the sacrifice has to be holy. Remember, when you kill the lamb, it had to be an unblemished lamb. So you have now become the sacrifice. And if you're blemished, God says, I don't want that. So if God don't want a blemish sacrifice, you got to make sure that you're not contaminated with blemishes, with sin. In order to present your body a living sacrifice, you're going to have to give yourself constantly to repentance and prayer and giving yourself to the Lord. So when you present your body a living sacrifice, it will be consumed by the power of the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because it's living, it's clean, it's pure, it's holy. And so now when I go and cry out to God, He will consume me with the fire of His Spirit because I gave my sacrifice holy and acceptable. My God. Oh, sometimes we may not feel the Holy Ghost when we need to feel it, but I can tell you how quickly you can feel the Holy Ghost. You have to become a clean sacrifice whenever you come to the altar, whenever you stand in the presence of God. The first thing you need to say is, God, I have sinned against you. God, I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a woman of unclean lips. I've sinned and fallen short of your glory. I've been a, oh God, I've done things that I wasn't supposed to do. I've committed sins of omission, meaning the things I was supposed to do. I did not do them. I am unclean. I am unholy. But I lift my hands today and say, God, will you cleanse me of my unrighteousness? Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you apply the blood of Jesus one more time that God, I can be clean. That when I stand before you and worship you, you will consume me with the fire of your spirit. Ama shotolo boho, etara ba shokoro boho. 
Help me, Jesus. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to just come to church and try to worship and nothing happens. And I leave and go home frustrated. All because I presented my body unholy to God. All because I'm not a real sacrifice. I'm tired of frustrating myself because I am not doing what God said to do. I don't want to frustrate myself because that's all we do is frustrate ourselves when we do it how we want to do it. When we live it the way we want to live it. God can't move on you unless you do it the way he says, not the way you want it. Oh, help me, Jesus. The Holy Ghost is here. I can tell you that right now. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. The Holy Ghost is here. Ah, God wants us to offer ourselves, not animals, a living sacrifice daily, laying aside our own desires, daily laying aside our own desires. We all have desires. We all want to do what we want. But God said, if you don't lay those things aside and present your body a living sacrifice, I cannot consume you. I cannot operate in your life. I need a clean vessel. I need a temple that is holy. And that's the temple I want to work in. Oh, help us, oh God. Oh, help us, oh God. God wants a sacrifice that is clean and not blemish. A sacrifice that's not tainted with the behaviors of this world. Hmm. Although God commanded us to give ourselves as living sacrifice, he don't want it with any kind of or should I say any kind of way? If you go through scripture, you see God chastised people for their impure motives in offering up their sacrifice. Some people treat sacrifice as a random chore they had to check off on their list. Oh, let me just do my thing. God help me. See this right. When we dress, quote unquote, what we call holy, is it with the right attitude or is it to check it off my list? I got my skirt on. I got myself covered up. I'm looking holy. Are you just checking it off your list or are you doing it with the right attitude to say, I am the sacrifice of the Lord. Let me take care of this body. It is holy. It is a body that is unto Christ. Are you living it like that or are you just putting this stuff on just to say, look at me. Bad attitude. God will not accept our sacrifice that way. And some of us are crazy. Can we not look at other people that we might, might, might understand that's not living right but trying to look? Forget about that. I am not saying that for us to look at each other. I'm saying that for us to look at ourselves. When you put on what you put on, what's the attitude behind it? When you wear what you wear, what's the spirit behind it? Are you trying to do it to impress people? Are you trying to do it to fit in? Or are you saying, my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and I live my life for Christ. This body is a sacrifice unto God. That's why I dress the way I dress. The real sacrifice. The real sacrifice. Some do it to make it a check off. Others view it as a magical ritual that would manipulate God 
to bless them. If I look this way, God's going to bless me. We think it's some kind of, mm-mm, God wants to know, did you take the exchange? The exchange that he offered you. He says, I'm going to die for you, but now you got to live in my stead because I'm no longer going to be with you physically, but you have to be who they look at to know who I we don't understand God that's we don't understand this this what this thing we think about that's Christianity we don't understand we think it's just to do some stuff that one day we go to heaven that's not it that's not it we don't understand the big plan that Jesus Christ had come up with for us we don't understand the big plan we're not seeing it right we got to see it right and what he's wanting us to see is because he is no longer physically here he needs us to be his representatives so when people see us they will get a little idea of what Jesus was like when he walked this earth they will get a good idea of how to live because we are living in the stead of Jesus Christ. Oh. Oh. Mm. Mm. Help us, Lord. God wants us to present our body a living sacrifice, our lifestyle a living sacrifice, but he will not accept it without a right attitude. No, I'm not going to go there. Our praise must be with the right attitude. When you open your mouth, when you lift your hands, when you decide to run the aisle, when you decide to sing, when you decide to dance, it has to be with the right attitude. It means if i got to stand before people to sing, uh, if I'm singing up here, I can't just sing the way that I want uh, because it's a sacrifice unto the Lord. If I'm going to sing, i got to sing uh, as I am the Lord's sacrifice. i got to sing uh, that I will represent Him. i got to sing uh, in a holy and righteous uh, and a way that prays and magnify the name of Jesus. Everything that I do, every praise that I give him, it must be done with the right attitude. We can't do it because we're checking it off. Oh, I praise God today. We can't do it because we're checking it off. I went to church today. we got to do it with the right attitude. Oh, God. Every praise that we do, we give unto you, it has to be done with a right attitude. Everything we do for God has to be done with a right attitude. When we worship Him, we gotta worship Him in spirit and truth with a right attitude. None of this could be, let me just check it off. Our lifestyle must be with the right attitude. What I heard somebody said, Brother Tinney said, some Christians walk around like they was baptized in lemon juice. We just walking around face twisted like it's hard. You know why it look hard? Because we have not understood and responded to the concept of the exchange. 
We, we, we have not responded to that concept of exchange. So we, we, we're, we're walking around like, man, I'm just trying to get to heaven, man. It's so hard because, you know, it ain't easy. And no, man, God required this and required that. I remember God telling a man that called him a hard God. I remember God cast him into outer darkness. I don't know if you remember that, man. The man with the one talent. He said, Lord, I know that, that, that thou art a hard man. Don't call God a hard man. He should have been dead and in hell being tormented. He's going to call God a hard man. But in some respect, we're doing that when we're walking around like, this is so hard. Oh, I got to pray. I got to read my Bible. I got to fast. When people treat me wrong, I got to act like, you know. It's not hard. The exchange is done. Remember what has taken place. It's either this or go to hell. That's all it comes down to. It's either living the way he says or just going to hell. That was the exchange. He says, I won't let you die in your sin and go to hell. I'm going to give an exchange. But you got to take the exchange and live according to the exchange. That's what he's after. I'm closing. Flight attendants, prepare for landing. Remember, we said 15, 20 minutes. First Samuel 15, 22 and 23. Let's go back and look at that. God do take pleasure in sacrifices that are offered up in obedience and faith. God do take pleasure in that. God will want us to sacrifice. But compare to obedience. God prefer that we obey him. With all what I just said, none of it, or should I say all of it, is 100% accurate. 100% correct. But there's a caveat. God said, I want sacrifice, but I prefer you obey me. That's what it says. To obey, to obey God is better than sacrifice. Here's something profound. You might know it, but just let me say it so it sounds profound. Partial obedience is still Disobedience. <laughs> Partial obedience is still disobedience. God commanded Saul to destroy the Amalekites. Every one of them. He wanted Saul to destroy every person that was the Amalekite. He wanted Saul to destroy all of their animals, all of their possessions, all of their material. He said, destroy them. In case you want to know, how can God say that? They operated like Satan. Anything that begins to just live like Satan, God will destroy you. Here's a bigger one. The Amalekites, when God left, when God led the children of Israel out of Egypt, that he, as he was leading them in the wilderness, the Amalekites attacked them. 
So here is the story behind this. Anybody that attacked the people of God, God will destroy them. That was the physical. Now we deal with the spiritual. And this is when God arrested the apostle Paul when he was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. He said, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Now Saul wasn't persecuting God. He was persecuting his people. And he have issues when people come against his very own. So the Amalekites, they had came against the children of Israel and that infuriated God. And so when, when, when the army of Israel got strong, God told Saul, destroy every one of them because they will destroy you. Even till this day, Israel is still the same. I told you, if you ask the Israelis right now, how can y'all call yourself people of God? When you always at war with the Syrians and this one and that one. And they will be quick to tell you, all we're doing is defending our life. That's what they'll tell you. Whether you want to believe it or not, that's what they'll tell you. They're not trying to war. They're saying, we're trying to preserve life. As a matter of fact, I told you before, in Israel, the most prized possession in Israel are the children. You will go to Israel and see children walking around just chilling. And you're saying, man, they're not afraid that those, that, that child get hurt or kidnapped. You hurt a child in Israel, you're done for life. That's their court system. They, they will prosecute you where you will never see the light of day again. So because people know that, they know this is no negotiation. You don't go before the judge and he said, well, I'll give you a couple years or I'll give you 20 years. No, 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 no. You mess with a child in Israel, you will not see the light of day. So the setup to that is what I'm trying to tell you. Israel always knew the life of people was the prized possession. That's what they knew. So they will do whatever they have to to protect life. That's a godly concept. And let me just slide a little bit of politics and slide right out. When you vote, you always make sure the candidate you vote for is the one that says, I have to preserve life. I don't believe in abortion. Slide right back out of that. You're a Christian. And you're a person of God. And at the end of the day, the, the, the greatest thing to us is life. And if I got a candidate that says, kill them. And I got one that said, no. Preserve them by all costs. That's the one I'm going for. Whether they right or wrong, whether they, they might not believe everything I believe. They might not, they might be grungy. But I always vote life. Because that's what God is about. Now, just forget I said that. I ain't trying to get politics in your mind. I'm trying to get Jesus in your mind this morning. But the bottom line is this. Life is important. Those Amalekites try to destroy God's people. So when God told Saul, he said, Saul, destroy the Amalekites, their dogs, their cats, their donkeys, their horses, their sheep. Destroy everything. Don't leave anybody. Burn the place down to the ground. That, that's the word that God had given Saul. And so he told him that. So... Saul was supposed to have done that. So now here come the prophet Samuel. When Samuel confronted Saul, he said, Saul, did you do as the Lord thy God told you? Absolutely.
Lord told me. We kill all those people. We kill all the animals. We kill everybody. But I kept Agag, the king. And my soldiers, they took the really nice sheep because we're going to give sacrifice to you, God, with those really nice sheep. Partial obedience is still disobedience. So, yeah, he told the judge, the, the Lord's prophet, the seer, oh, yeah, he killed them all. But we speared Agag, and the soldiers kept the best sheep and cattle for sacrifice unto the Lord. There's a lot going on in that. Because here, my mind started working, and I said in my mind, probably Saul, if you wouldn't have kept Agag, they wouldn't have took anything. See what leadership do? Don't get quiet on me. See what leadership can do? Parents. See what leadership can do? You start crooking and hooking, and you mad at the kids for crooking and hooking. It don't work that way. The leader, Saul, did wrong by keeping the king. So he didn't see nothing wrong with his soldiers taking some of those rams and lambs so they can, quote unquote, sacrifice unto the Lord. I believe they took those things because they look and they say, oh, hey, God, okay. I guess there ain't nothing wrong with just taking a couple of the sheep, a couple of the rams, nice fatted rams. Maybe nothing wrong with that. And so they took them. Hmm. Yes. In Saul's own mind, he thought that he had did pretty well. Because you got to figure he killed everybody. He only spared one life and a couple of rams. So in his mind... He thought he did pretty good. However, if we consider the original instructions that God gave him, did he do all right? God didn't tell him to spare anybody. God didn't tell him to spare anything. But he spared one life and a few rams that he quote unquote claimed, I'm going to sacrifice unto the Lord. Saul and his soldiers were unwilling to destroy completely what the Lord had told them to destroy. On what grounds did Saul claim obedience? That he did what the Lord told him to do. Saul claimed to have kept God's command by winning the battle. So the way Saul started looking at it is, we on top, God. We went in the battle. We destroyed them. So we must have done what you wanted us to do. <laughs> what Saul didn't acknowledge is that God was not interested in who won the battle. Who can defeat God anyway? So God is never worried about who won the battle. God is not worried about you and somebody being at odds who look bad and who look good. God is not worried about who come out on top and who don't. God is not concerned about battles. Because he can settle it in a second. God said, or should I say, his prophet said, God was not interested 
and winning the battle. But God was interested in his will being done. And that's all that he's interested in is his will being done. God is not interested in anything but his will. He's got this plan that he has laid out. And nobody will stop it. He's not interested in what the results are concerning some things we're dealing with. He's interested in his plan. So while there's ups and downs in our life, just make sure we're on the path of his plan. That's all he's worried about. He's only worried about the plan. You notice you play sports. None of us is greater than the organization is what they say in sports and in companies. None of us, they get rid of CEOs all the time because the company is greater than every individual in that company. They fight all the time to preserve the company. They're stockholders. They're people that have invested in the company. So those people, board members are saying, nothing better not happen to this company. So when we find people that's causing them, get rid of them. I don't care if the CEO, CFO or CEO, get rid of them. I don't care if the vice president or the president, get rid of them. Because the company is more valuable than that one person. None of us, as much as God loves us and we're the apple of his eye, none of us is worth more than the grandiose plan that he has to save mankind. So if you're going to lose, come out on losing end. Because you got in the way, you're going to lose. We need to fight for God's plan. Not for us to come out on top. For God's plan. This is why sometimes we just got to do what's peaceable. That's why we got to do what makes us get along. Because it doesn't matter about anything more important than the plan of God. God is more interested in his will being done than anything else. Listen to this one, and I'm almost there. Wheels almost on the ground. Disobedience often takes the form of reinterpretation. All right, it went over your heads. The catalyst, a lot of times, for our disobedience, is we start to reinterpret what God says, because that's what makes us comfortable. That's what makes us make a decision to do what we want. We want to reinterpret it. So Saul, what he had done was reinterpret what God said. God said to wipe them all off, and he did, except he left one and a couple of sheep. God didn't. You reinterpret it. You made it seem like Agag was not a person, and you made it seem like those sheep was not that important. You reinterpreted God's message. You reinterpreted God's instruction just so you can do what you want. That's a key component to what we better look at for self. Is Because the only way, oh Jesus help us, the only way we can keep living in a wrong way with God and be comfortable with it is because we have reinterpreted what God has said. So that's how we can live comfortably. <laughs> People have said, all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe with your heart and you will be saved. We reinterpreted that just so we can just do that easy thing. Yeah, that's how we do. So that's how we keep living in disobedience. 
It's because we are re God loves me. So, 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 I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm not what I'm sh- I should be, but God loves me. He loves you. But I heard a man say, but he don't love, he loves you so much that he won't leave you where you are. So you might sit there and say, God loved me and I'm struggling right now and I'm going through, but God loved me. And I'm going to tell you, God loved you so much that he's going to mess with you because he don't want you to stay where you are. Because where you are might not get you in. So he loves you that much that he's going to mess with you. He's not going to leave you there. Don't reinterpret God's word to stay where you are. Don't reinterpret God's word to live in disobedience. Oh, you had to pray for me today, didn't you? This ain't easy to talk about. Disobedience often takes the form of reinterpretation of the original command. We are going to get ourselves in a lot of trouble with God by reinterpreting his commands to us. Saul really believed that partial obedience is the same as obedience. And I got to tell you, please. Get this today. Partially doing the things that God say is still disobedience to God. We've got clear scripture. So when we want to feel like, oh, well, you know, I'm not doing so bad right now. Is it partial obedience? Because God don't want partial obedience. He wants complete. See, we don't know why God say do things. Now, I have the scriptures to read now and really see why he had told Aga, um, told Saul to destroy all the Amalekites. I did. I'm sure Saul at that time didn't understand that because people, when people become an enemy of God, God destroys them. I don't know Saul understood that then. So in his mind, God is loving. God is great. Well, why would he want me to destroy everybody? So he won't mind if I save one because I know God is good and God's not going to do this to everybody. So, so I can't see nothing wrong with me saving one because God loved me so much that when I come and say, God only kept Agag, he's not going to be that mad at me. That's what, that's what he did. And the Bible says that when um, Samuel came back, Samuel told him, God has took the kingdom away from you. And has given it to someone else. Because you disobeyed God. Because that's why the scripture says, obedience is better than sacrifice. You disobeyed God. So his purpose ripped away from you. And remember what I told y'all. I believe strongly purpose is connect to your salvation. You keep on thinking that all I got to do is live for God and I'll get to heaven. No, God created you for a purpose. And that purpose is going to guide you into where God wants you. It's going to help you to foster your relationship with God because you're walking in the purpose that he has brought you here for. We, we, we think that we can just come to church. Tell me how is it your purpose to come to church week in and week out and that's all you do. Tell me how is that your purpose? So it means if that's all I do, I'm going to have to ask God, is this going to get me in? Because purpose is tied to your own salvation. When, when, when he, when God ripped the kingdom away from Saul, guess what? Saul was tormented by evil spirits all the time. Let me, let me give you a side note because this got dropped in my spirit the other day. Side note, side note, side note, side note. You ready for the side note? Two things I want you to want to tell you. 
let's deal with the flesh thing first. God tell us to present our body a living sacrifice. You know why God told us to do that? We don't always got to tell Barry. He, he ain't the only one. At least he was the, he's the only honest one. But I always got to tell him, stop trying to figure out what God is doing. Can I tell you all? So I'm going to tell you loud now. Stop trying to figure out what God is doing. Because a lot of times, 90% of the times are probably higher. We don't know really what's behind what he's telling us. Leave that part alone. That's God's job to know what he's doing and how he's doing. Our job is to obey. That's it. We can't know it all. So, he said, present your body a living sacrifice. When God, you like this big son. Because you, you got profound mind like your dad do. When God told Adam, told the, told the serpent in the garden, for dust thou art. No, that ain't what he said. He says, curse is that serpent. And from this day on, you're going to go on your belly and dust you will eat all the days of your life. That's what he told the serpent. Isn't that what he told the serpent when he cursed the serpent? Okay. So the serpent... From that point on, went on his belly, and dust that serpent was eaten. God created us from the dust of the ground. The serpent, he lives on dust. He feasts on people. This is why God is telling us some stuff. Now, we get some revelation here or there, but I'm giving you one of so many that we don't have. That if we present our body living sacrifice, the serpent can't feed on you. The serpent is trying to feed on human flesh because that's what he's doing. When he got cursed, he went on his belly and dust he was eating. So now he feasts on human flesh. That's what he's eating. He eats you and me. Now, The way we give the serpent access to our life. There's three, way, three ways we give the serpent access to our life. The wheel's almost touching. Three ways. Rebellion. Offense. And bitterness. Satan will feast on you when you give him the opening. He can't feast on you when there's no opening. He like you. He want to eat you up. But if you present your body a living sacrifice, he can't do nothing with you. But when you allow rebellion, offense, and bitterness to come in your life, he's eating away at you. That's how you operate. So when you are bitter, that's an opening. When you get offended so bad that it just go in your gut and it just have a little bit of control over you, you're frustrated, you're hurt, he got a little control over you. When you rebel against God, he got you. And now he started feast on you. Present your body a living sacrifice. Huh. I know it's heavy this morning. I hate when God make it heavy like this too. And so, God says, 
this seemed contradictory, but I'm going to bring it down to this, and you'll see why I entitled this message today to real sacrifice. Sacrifices without obedience to the commandments of God are utterly worthless. When we sacrifice something we claim we're sacrificing without obeying God, God says, I don't want it. We come to church and worship God, but all week long we live the way we want it. God says, I turn my face away from you. I don't want your sacrifice. So that's part of frustration that we deal with is that we come in and we say, this is the house of God. God got to touch me. God got to help me. Yeah, but what were you doing all week? You got contaminated. You contaminated your sacrifice. So when you come, you're still contaminated. So unless you come and you do right and get this thing cleaned up, you don't want it. So you're coming and you do your praise. You're coming and you do your prayer. You're coming and you do your worship. And, and he's like, let me see who out there has been living right. Whoosh. I consume them. Whoosh. I consume them. Oh, let me, uh, whoosh. And that's just how he operates because he can't receive a sacrifice that's contaminated. So if you ain't learned nothing t- today, learn this. Don't you ever go to church without coming in and getting your heart and your life right before anything starts. That's why it's important to get a little preparation going. Don't you come to church without having yourself right because you will forget. This ever happened to you? You get up in the morning and you have every intention to pray. And then it's probably about like 12 o'clock and you said, oh, snap. I didn't pray this morning. Oh, God. Let me pray right now. Some say, well, I guess I'll just pray tonight when I go to my bed. But the point is, if you don't take advantage or do what you're supposed to do at the moment you're supposed to do it, then you can go through a whole service and nothing happened for you because you didn't make the sacrifice right. Get the sacrifice right when you come in the door. Get the sacrifice right in your car. Get the sacrifice right at the home before you come in. Get the sacrifice right. If we obey the word of God, we will also, here is the conclusion of the whole matter. If we obey the word of God, we will also sacrifice our life, our praise and our worship to him. However, we can offer sacrifice and because it's not offered in faith and according to his word, we then Present a sacrifice in disobedience. So what, what I'm saying here to try to get you clear is if, if we can present sacrifice and not be in right with God, we can just deceive ourselves, but you can't deceive yourself after today. We can present ourselves as sacrifice unto God, but not be right with God. But when you obey God, your sacrifice will be already good. So here's the final thing of this message. The real sacrifice Follow me. The real sacrifice is obedience, not sacrifice. Let it sink in. We always heard about sacrifice. I just walk you through the scripture about what sacrifice was all about up to the end of the, end of the Old Testament when Jesus came and now us. And so, today, we understand what the sacrifice really is. But the real sacrifice that God always was after was obedience, not sacrifice. Did did y'all get that? 
So it means if you will obey God, automatically you are sacrificing. But if all you want to do is sacrifice, you cannot obey. That's what Saul did. Saul was caught up in the sacrifice. As a matter of fact, Saul was sacrificing before Samuel rolled up on him. Samuel rolled up and said, yo, what you doing? I'm doing a sacrifice to the Lord. And Samuel like, you're not supposed to do that. I'm the prophet. I do the sacrifice. Because he was so caught up in the sacrifice. So caught up on our outward appearance. Uh-huh, that's what it means. We're so caught up in here, we got, you know, try to put yourself off like you're doing all good. And God is saying, you can sacrifice and not be right with me, and I will not accept that. But when you obey me, you will always present the right sacrifice. Stand with me this morning. It's obedience that we're supposed to be striving for. Not behavior mannerism. Not, 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 not look at me and, oh, I'm doing my thing. Not rituals. That's not what God is after. God is after obedience. And that's where it starts. Whatever God says, we have to obey Him. That's what He's after. Because our obedience to God will eventually show and reveal the plan that God has. Obedience will carry God's plan through. Sacrifice don't necessarily do that. But when we obey God, we have to sacrifice. God help us today. Help us to understand that obedience, it's better than sacrifice. God is not telling you not to sacrifice because you can't live being a Christian without sacrifice. And we, we, we went through this. I, I pray to God that you really paid attention to what I'm saying today. Because I think that I went through step by step what it comes down to when we're dealing with sacrifice and obedience. What it's all about. What God is looking for from us. That whatever we do, Luke, whatever we do unto the Lord, it must be done through obedience. We will never be able to dispute obedience. We will never be able to give a good argument while we didn't obey. Listen, Saul gave what we thought was a brilliant um, explanation. He said, listen, I did do what the Lord want. Let's say 50,000 people was in, in, in Amalek. Let's say 50,000. He only saved one. Don't you think that's good? That's what we think. Let's be honest. We would have thought that was good. Man, he killed all them people. He only spit one. God, how you going to be like that? I'm telling you, I would think like that. God, why are you going to be like that? He only saved one person out of the 50,000. He only saved about six or eight sheep out of the thousands. Why are you so upset, God? That should, that should shake us when you think about it like that. God, why are you so upset? He did all of that. And God answered the question, I prefer obedience over sacrifice. I don't care how much you sacrifice. I don't care your right intentions. Listen, those, those animals, those sheep that they spared could have been for good intentions. They really, they probably really did want to sacrifice them. They probably really did want to do, say, God, we want the victory. We want to, they probably really did want to do that. And in their good intention, God had a problem with that. We have good intentions, but God still got a problem with them. Because if they're not obedient to him, he's got a problem with our good intentions. 
Throw out those good intentions. Stop walking around and reinterpreting God's word and saying, well, God don't mind. No, he do mind if it's disobeying his plan. He do mind. Obedience is preferred over sacrifice in the sight of the creator, in the sight of the master. We got a call, a spade, a spade in our life. We got to call everything in our life that is wrong, wrong, and call right, right. And not according to what we think, but let's go search out the scripture that say, see what the scripture says. Is this right what I'm doing? Well, let, let, let's see what the word of God says. Because if it's not right, then I got to say I'm wrong. I can't, I can't call it any different. I can't make it anything else. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong according to the word of God. If I'm right, I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I better start trying to figure out a way how to get it right. I don't have a problem with people knowing that they're wrong and working at getting that wrong right. I got a people with people. I got a problem with people who say, "Well, this is just how I feel." Okay, go talk to Saul about that one. That's what he said. Lord, this is how I feel, man. I, kept, I only kept one guy, and the sheep. I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't the one that kept the sh- the flock. I didn't. I didn't take them. All I spared, Lord, as the leader, was one man, the king. Isn't that good? One man of all the people they destroyed, one, the king. And back in those days, it was tradition that when you defeat a nation, you kept their king. Or you show, listen, we had their king in captivity, which means we took their leader, we are the winner. So it was even a traditional thing why he kept Agag. And God says, please, that ain't what I told you to do. I ain't tell you to keep nobody. So we get to learn a little bit how the loving, creative, kind, merciful, forgiving God is. He's all of that. But we better understand he cares more about obedience than all the other stuff we want to worry about. Because he had a great big plan from the very beginning when he created us. Great big plan. He went through a whole lot of stuff. When you think about the Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus coming, all of this stuff. He went through a whole lot of stuff to preserve his plan. And he will not let any one of us mess with it. The first one to mess with his plan got kicked out of his position. So we can see the plan has always been the plan. And God is never going to change his plan for none of us. So we can deceive ourselves and think that we can do something different than what God wants and think it's going to still work out. It ain't working out. He got one plan and that one plan is what he's going to stick to. The Bible says, I am God and I change not. He's not changing his plan. Right is right according to his word and wrong is wrong according to his word. If I'm going to get in right relationship with him, I'm going to have to do it exactly the way he says do it. If I don't do it that way, he will not respond to me. Now, if I cry out for mercy, he'll be merciful. It still don't change the fact the plan must be the plan. Are you following the plan? Are you following the plan? That's what he wants to know. Are we obeying the plan? Why don't we take a few moments and just talk to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you this morning. We thank you this morning. For though our our soul is challenged, Lord God, we have heard truth this morning. And you said only truth will make us free, Lord God. 
You have clarified things so we will not be deceived or we will not reinterpret your word, Lord God. But today, Lord God, we will stand for truth. We will stand for obedience to truth. For, Lord, it is until we obey, we will not be able, oh God, to see your face, to spend eternity with you. God, remove from us that Saul spirit for reinterpreting your word. Remove from us that Saul spirit and thinking that, God, if we just do some of what you say, we're doing all right. Remove that spirit from us. Remove that spirit from us, Lord God, of being content with mediocrity. (laughs) Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord God. Remove that spirit from us that, that makes us, oh God, just settle. But I pray today in the name of Jesus, the power of God will challenge each and every one of us. The power of God will break the stronghold in our life. The power of God will set us free from all captivity. The power of God will deliver us, Lord God, and that we will be liberated by the truth and by obedience of the truth today, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that we, your people, will never be the same again, but we will walk in obedience. We will walk according to your word and according to your instructions today. My God, I pray that we will never be the same again. Help us, Lord God, to be the representation of who you are in this earth, Lord God.